are ready for the Word of God, we'll get right into it on the rhythms of God's grace. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gave an invitation. I think that's applicable to all of us at different seasons of life. And sometimes you think it's not just a season. It's been a, it's been a constant in my life. But nonetheless, it's an invitation from, from Jesus. And the invitation is addressed to all of us that are experiencing a heaviness. We may be experiencing a weariness, a tiredness. It's addressed to people that are weary, that are heavy laden with uh, laws and traditions. You feel like, you know, religion has, has, uh, has really not been what you thought it was going to be. It ended up being heavy handedness in your life. The good news is, is Jesus is the God of grace. He's the God of mercy. And we want to continue to talk about coming into the rhythms of God's grace. So in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus is interested in you completing your task, but he also wants you to do it with the rest in him. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Because my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The burden I give you is light. Father, we thank you so much for the Holy Spirit of God, the same God, the same Holy Spirit with us here today. Thank you for a word in season for each individual as well as collectively as the body of Christ. We thank you, Lord God, for knowing us and for ministering to us, reaching out to us through the power and the anointing of your word. May it minister life, strength, peace, and rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we're talking about the rhythms of grace, I want you just to envision, you know, many of you may have been uh, at, the, at the ocean already this summer. If you haven't been, hopefully we all get an opportunity to do so before it gets cold again. Imagine that, talking about doing something before it gets cold again. But, you know, tomorrow is August 1st, so summer is quickly coming to an end for you all. So anyway, like the rhythms of the ocean waves crashing in on the shore, God's grace, likewise, is inexhaustible, it's generous, and it's always abundant toward you in a greater measure than sin that abounds. God's grace is always abundant and generous towards you in a greater measure than sin that abounds. In Romans chapter 5, we read how that where sin abounds or where sin is increasing, God's grace does much more. I'm going to say much more. It does much more abound. So when I'm talking to you today from the Word of God concerning the rhythms of God's grace, my, my goal today is to communicate for us that we all can hear and, and comprehend that the, just like the ocean waves keep crashing on the shore, they just keep coming. They just keep coming. They just keep coming. You never go down to the ocean. I mean, sometimes you can go to the ocean and it'd be a, an odd day when things are just very, very calm. But even then, there's just a little bit of a, a rhythm going on. There's just not the waves that you would like to enjoy. But there's always that rhythm of the grace of God. But I want us to realize today that the rhythms of God's grace are far more abundant and powerful 
toward you, then sin that is prevalent in our world and any temptations of sin that you may be wrestling with. And the idea here is that I want to convey to you today is that I want you to begin to see God's grace as sufficient, more than sufficient. And that grace is not just a commodity from God to get us out of trouble. It's not just the commodity of God that enables us to ask for forgiveness when we sin, when we fail. But grace is the commodity of God, the character of God available to us in inexhaustible portions to enable us, to strengthen us, to no longer be in bondage to sin. In Romans chapter 4, verse 16, says that we are, no, we are no longer under the law, but we are and slaves to sin. because We're no longer slaves to sin because we're no longer under the law, but we are now under the law of God's grace. And so to see grace as something that, is a, that you are strong in the grace of God, strong in it. Even the Apostle Paul, now remember, the Apostle Paul is the apostle that Jesus Christ appeared to and, is, and, and gave Paul, the Apostle Paul, the revelation of, of God's grace. This dispensation that we live in today. Notice we're no longer living under the law of Moses. We're no longer living under the law of Old Covenant. We're not living under the law of grace, the New Testament a new covenant, and it's called the dispensation. Church historians and scholars talk about this time that we're living in. It's known as the time of grace or the time of the church age. And this season, this time will prevail until the rapture of the church. So in this season that we're living in, we're living under a kingdom government or a kingdom rule called grace. Everyone say grace. And this grace is, is from God, and it superabounds toward you. It never ceases, to, it never ceases, it never runs out, it never runs low, it's never empty. But it's always in abundance to help you to govern your life, not under law, not under sin, but under the grace of God, meaning that you are no longer subject to sin. We don't need to be yielding to much of the things we find ourselves yielding to because we have the grace of God at our disposal. So let me uh, read some verses to you from Romans chapter 5. I shared with you last Sunday morning how I would encourage you to read Romans 5 and 6, uh, and that still holds. But I want to, for the sake of time, I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. Then we're going to read verse 17, and then we're going to read verse 20 and 21. And, and there's a lot of good stuff in between there. I'm not eliminating anything because I don't agree with it. It's all really, really good. But I, I think this uh, may be a way of helping us. And then we're going to conclude with Romans uh, 6 and verse 14. So Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Undeserved privilege is in reference to the grace of God. An undeserved privilege. God brought us into this place because of our faith. God brought you into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Verse 17. 
For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ, contrasting Adam with Jesus. Now, Jesus, because of Jesus, we have God's wonderful grace. And because of that, we triumph over sin and death through the one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 20, God's law has been given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled in all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 14 of chapter 6, as a result of all these scriptures and the many in between there, sin no longer, sin is no longer your master. Look at your neighbor and tell them that. Sin is no longer your master. When someone's not your master, means, that means you don't have to do what they tell you to do. They may be encouraging to do something, tempting you to do something, but you're not my master. I don't need to listen to you. So sin is no longer your master, for you are no longer under the requirements of the law. Now, here's religious people get their feathers ruffled. Here's, well, Pastor Ray, you can't be teaching that. You can't tell people they're no longer under the law. What about the Ten Commandments? You know, you need to obey the Ten Commandments. You need to this and you need to do this. You need to do that. Just take a breath. Just take a breath. There's, more, there's another wave coming. And then there's another one coming on top of that. It's just more grace is coming. More grace is coming, and when you get yourself away from the idea that, oh, you got to obey by the law, you got to keep the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are restated in the epistles of the Apostle Paul, all through the epistles, but primarily in Galatians when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It still stands, thou shall not steal, thou shall not kill, thou shall not lie, thou shall not, all the thou shall nots are in there, but now we have the ability to actually live above the thou shall nots. The law no longer needs to tell us what to do. It's no longer our master. Now the spirit of grace, the spirit of the living God is now my master, and the spirit of the living God not only points me in the right direction, but empowers me in the right direction, unlike the law that pointed you in a direction but did not give you the ability to go in that direction. It just simply revealed to you this is what you should be, but you can't be that. You need something else. Well, what do I need? I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And now we have Jesus, now we speak Jesus. And now we have grace, and now we live in the grace of God and just allow the grace to just keep flowing toward you. But Pastor Ray, I, I, I messed up or I had a bad attitude, I had a bad thought, I, I committed a sin. The grace is continuing to abound. It continues to abound, and it's not a license to sin. It's, it's, it's a privilege for you to grow in and to become strengthened in and become empowered in so that all of the before mentioned items are no longer a challenge in our lives. So as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us a right standing with God. And sin is no longer your master. 
It's no longer your master. Some factors that magnify sin and it makes people think that sin is so powerful and that there's really nothing we can do about it and we're just victims of it. Oh, just, you know, just thank God by the grace of God that I'm here today. Well, there's an element of truth in that, but thank God by the grace of God, you're victorious. Thank God by the grace of God, you're healed, you're healthy, you're whole. Thank God by the grace of God, you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who strengthens you. But some factors that magnify sin, first of all, is how, how do you view it? How are you viewing it? What do you believe about it? And then thirdly, what we believe about our new relationship with God. Do you really believe that we are in a new covenant, in a new relationship with God, and in this new relationship, we're not under the law of Moses. We are now under the law of God's grace, and sin, therefore, no longer has dominion over us. Do you believe that? Is that a foundational belief in you, or do you think, I'm just a sinner? Saved by grace. Now, if you've been with me for any time at all, you know that irritates me more than anything else. When people say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Now, you can't be a sinner saved by grace. If you're saved by grace, you're no longer a sinner because you're no longer under law, no longer under the dominion of sin. Amen? Amen. And you want to get mad at the world for having their identity messed up. Let's start with our own identity. Are you a sinner or are you saved by grace? Four of you are saved by grace. We're going to have a big altar call today. Are you a sinner or are you saved by God's grace? Saved by grace. We're saved by grace. Are you subject to sin or are you overcoming sin? Overcoming. Amen. Amen. You're an overcomer. How are you viewing it? You know, you can't compare yourself by yourself with sin and sin's power. Just like David, when David, uh, King David, who wasn't king then, but when David, the little shepherd boy, took on Goliath, the Philistine giant. David did not compare himself with Goliath. If he would have compared himself with Goliath, he would, he would not have had the courage to take on Goliath with the slingshot. What David did is he compared, he, com, he made the comparison with uh, Goliath, which was much bigger and more powerful than David. David compared Goliath with his God. And when he compared Goliath with his God, he realized that my God is far greater than Goliath. And that's why he was able to speak Jesus. That's why he was able to speak and say, this day, my God is going to take you out. If he would have compared himself with Goliath, he, he would have never been, had the courage to take him on. So David compared Goliath with his God. We likewise need to be comparing sin with the grace of God that superabounds and grace doesn't stand a chance. Just like Goliath did not have a chance against David's covenant God, sin does not have a chance against your covenant in the grace of Almighty God. It has no chance. It, it cannot have the victory. Goliath had no way of prevailing. Now, David, David enforced what he believed about his God and what he believed about Goliath. That's why he made the bold statements that he made. I encourage you to read it in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 
Read that in there. David makes some very bold statements. Before Goliath was dead, he proclaimed that he would be dead. He proclaimed that his, that his body would be fed, to, his carcass would be fed to the birds. He proclaimed that his God would take him out. You also need to be making bold declarations of faith that my God is able. My God is able. My God is a God of grace. And my God is far bigger and grace far. My, the, the grace of God is far greater and superabounds to a far greater level, to a far greater power and reality than sin that abounds. So please, please stop allowing sin in your life, sin in the culture around us, sin in our country, sin. Stop allowing yourself to take on a woe is me mentality. Things are just getting so dark and so bad and so horrendous and just what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to continue to enjoy the waves of God's grace that just keep coming. They just keep coming. One comes in and crashes on the shore, and sure enough, there's another one rising up and coming right in after. It never stops. The rhythm of God's grace. Think about the rhythms throughout Scripture. In, in the, the, the creation narrative, and the evening ended and the new day dawned. First day. The second day, and the evening ended, and the new day dawned. Third day, the evening ended, and the new day dawned. Fourth day, and the evening ended, and the new day dawned. The fifth day, God said, and he created the things of the fifth day, and then the evening ended, and a new day dawned. You see in a rhythm here? Sunset, sunrise. Sunsets, the sun rises. Seasons come, and seasons go. Seasons come and seasons go. There's a time to plant and there's a time to harvest. Rhythm. There's a rhythm. The creation itself has a rhythm in it. And we're called to flow and get into the rhythm of life. What is God's rhythm for you? What are your callings, your gifts, and your skills? And find yourself, what is God's rhythm for my life? What is God speaking in my life? And how can I get in on these unforced rhythms of the grace of God? The life of Jesus. You look at Jesus' life. When you read about Jesus, you read the gospel accounts. Sometimes you'll be reading about Jesus is up all night in prayer. Jesus is alone with the Father. Then Jesus is with the disciples. And then Jesus is with the multitudes. And then Jesus is alone with the Father. Jesus is praying. Jesus is with his disciples. Jesus is with the multitudes. Jesus is alone with the Father. He had a rhythm to his life. You can't just pick one story and say, Jesus was among, among the multitudes. He was a people person. He was a very charismatic person. But how much of a people person, charismatic person was he when he was up all night praying and he asked his disciples to join him and within an hour they're asleep? That sounds pretty isolated, does it not? But that was the rhythm that he was in. So there's rhythms of life. You can't just pick one part and say, well, I just want to be alone with the Father because Jesus spent his time alone with the Father. He did spend time alone with the Father, but he spent time with the disciples. And then he spent time with the multitudes. There's rhythm. There's a rhythm for your life. I can't tell you what it is, but you can, you can, our, our goal is to discover that rhythm and come into a place where we, where we begin to, to flow 
in it. So I'm going to read Matthew chapter 11 again from the, the message the message translation. It's a paraphrased version of the scripture by Eugene Peterson. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. It says, Are you tired and worn out? You can be honest. Well, Pastor Ray, I can't say that. You can be honest and say, yeah, I'm tired and burned out on religion. I'm tired and burned out on religion. Tell me what to do and what not to do. Tell me what I have to do. And it, it, it just is completely taking me out of my cadence. It's not, it's not my rhythm, but legalism says I need to do this on this day and I need to abstain from that on this day and, and try to create a rhythm for you. And it's not fitting. It's like wearing the wrong size shoes or the right foot on the left or the right shoe on the left foot. Things just not fitting. There's no rhythm. But God has a rhythm for you. That's why Jesus is inviting you. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Come to grace. Come to grace. For those of you that are watching online, you're not here with us this morning. Perhaps you're saying, I've been praying about where I should go to church. Well, it says, you know, worship with grace in your hearts. So it's right here. It's right here. But it says, uh, worn out, burned out, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I, I, I like that ring, the, the, the sound of that. Recover your life. Get in, in a rhythm with God. And you're, you're, you're not all discombobulated. I don't know if that's a real word or not, but discombobulated means you're out of sorts. You're just kind of like, you don't know which way is up. The Pennsylvania Dutch people know what discombobulated is. <laughs> They're over <body. laughs> But we don't need to be discombobulated. We don't need to be out of sorts. We can get into a rhythm, into a rhythm. And, and life is so much better when we have a rhythm, when, we have, when, when things are flowing in the way that God would have us to flow in them. And so it says, get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest, real rest. That's something... All of us are probably guilty of, to some degree or another. As a culture, we need to learn how to take a real rest, something that really you're really rejuvenated as a result of having spent some time with Jesus. Walk with me and work with me. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Does that not sound refreshing? Nothing ill-fitting. You're living freely and lightly, not stressed out, freely and lightly, free of stress, free of anxiety, free of burnout. This is the place that God wants us to come to, and it's a place we all have plenty of room to grow into and to appreciate the grace of God that is so readily available and is abounding toward us to a far greater level and far more powerful and effective than sin's power to deceive you. Grace is an ability to live free of sin's power, not only to be forgiven for yielding to it, Here's a truth. There is more grace and more power. And there's more 
grace and more of God's power and righteousness within you than the power of sin in you. There is more grace and more of God's power and righteousness in you than the power of sin. Remember that and go back and read Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 6. It says as a result of that, you know, we need to take this into consideration. Make a journal entry into your mind that there's more righteousness of God, the, the right standing with God, the righteousness of God, and the grace of God that's in me as a result of my faith in Jesus Christ has brought me out from underneath the requirements of the law and has placed me above. And now above that, I'm now in the grace of Almighty God. And therefore, the law and sin is no longer my master, but my master is Jesus Christ and the grace of Almighty God. God. So there's more grace and more righteousness and power in you than the power of sin. And, and uh, to listen to this, to live under law as a rule of conduct, to live under law as a rule of conduct and to live in sin are essentially the same thing. You say, why could that, how could that be the same thing? What's wrong with trying to live under the law? What's, trying, what, what's wrong with living by the Ten Commandments? If you are living under the rule of law, you are putting confidence in your ability to live by the law, and therefore you are eliminating Christ and the grace of Almighty God. You're trying to do it on your own strength, and doing things on your own strength is the very nature of sin. So stop trying to live legalistically. Stop making your rules and regulations and stop thinking I got to measure up to the Ten Commandments and I, I, and I can do it. I can do it. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Therefore, I can do it. <laughs> yeah, right. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. You can't do it. Now, I know people that live under the law, and they, they like adhering and saying, well, you need to live by the Ten Commandments, and they don't like much hearing that it's no different than just living in sin, because to live under the law is to be dominated by sin. I didn't write Romans. Uh, I don't think my name's in there, but nonetheless, it's in the Word of God. For all that are under the law, Romans 6, 14, for all that are under the law are under the dominion of sin. So you decide today, when you get into Romans chapter 6, it says you, you decide who's going to be your master. But since you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, grace is now your master. Therefore, don't use your body or, or any parts of your body as instruments for sin, but use your entire body as instruments of righteousness unto God. For you're no longer a slave to sin, but you are now a slave to the grace of God. Enslaved to the grace of God. The good news is, under law, you didn't have a choice. You were just basically a puppet. 
But now under the grace of God, you have the choice and you, can, you are empowered with grace and with wisdom to always make the right choice. So let's make the right choice every time, every time. So an essential element of living under law is to have confidence in the flesh. Confidence in the flesh takes the place of confidence in God, and that's the very nature of sin. You can learn to live in the unforced rhythms of grace, and you can claim your freedom from sin's control. The rhythms of grace, rhythms of grace, it's the recipient it's the, it's the recipient that knows and flows in rhythms of grace, not the theologian that simply studied it. Receive grace. Don't just be a student, but receive it. If you haven't received grace, make sure you yield to it and receive grace. Receive the person of Jesus Christ and receive the grace of God. Some character traits, I want to close with this, some character traits of flowing in rhythms of God's grace. Rhythms of God's grace. In Romans 14 and verse 4, I told you a lot about reading Romans chapter 5 and 6. When you're reading Romans chapter 5 and 6 and you're starting to get, a, you know, your eyes are beginning to get open and you're beginning to realize, yes, grace supersedes, grace abounds, and it, it, it's, uh, I can get in this rhythm of God's grace. Then you get into Romans chapter 14 and basically the, the, the subtitle in, in, in my Bible is talked about the dangers of criticism, but basically it's talking, it's really a great picture of what it looks like to live in the rhythm of God's grace and primarily... It's telling us that we no longer have that need to be judgmental. No longer have that need to making decisions for other people. In verse 4, I'm just going to give you this one verse, 14.4, and this should whet your appetite to read the rest of it. Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help, they will stand. They will stand and receive his approval. What's he talking about here? So we have no business judging other people who might believe something a little bit different than what I believe. I'm not talking about outside the bounds of God's word. I'm talking about traditions or observances of holidays or, or food, abstinence from certain food or not an abstinence from certain food or just certain, that, that type of freedom. We have no business judging other people who think differently than I. I have no business judging your diet. You have no business judging my diet. You have no business judging which day I decide to rest, and I have no business deciding which day you decide to rest. You get in a rhythm of the grace of God. I get in the rhythm of God's grace, and we get into the rhythm of God's grace, and we're in that rhythm, and we just let it flow, and we just let it flow, and, and, and let it flow, and, 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 and free ourselves up of that uh, necessity to, to well, I think you ought to do this, or I think you should do this, or perhaps you shouldn't be eating this, or perhaps you should do that, and, you know. I think this verse ends with, uh, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. Guess what? I don't need your approval. I have his approval. You don't need my approval. You have his approval. Y'all are being very, very quiet considering all this freedom I'm throwing at you this morning. <laughs> I, was, uh, <laughs> I was at the 
once a month, some of the pastors get together for a time of prayer. And this, this past Tuesday, we were together for prayer. And the one pastor was telling me that there's going to be a, a, a tent revival meeting in the Ole Valley. And he mentioned the guy's name that's putting on, uh, that's hosting it. And he refers to him as the, as the pastor of Ole Valley. And he said, uh, he said it's going to be... He said, it's going to be two nights. He said, well, the first night's not really a revival meeting. He said, the first night's going to be a, a pig roast. I said, oh, so you're not, really, you're not really looking to reach the Jewish people of the Holy Valley, are you? <laughs> he said, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, it's just, uh, it's just amazing how, you know, it's a, a pig roast. Well, you tell someone you're having a, a, a revival and it's going to start with a pig roast. <laughs> You'll try that in New York City, see how that goes. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, we're free. You're free, to eat. you're free to have your pig roast if you want to. Or you're free not to have it if you don't want it. What we are free to do is we're all free to love each other and we're free to worship God and to love God and to receive the grace that continues to abound. It's like the ocean waves just keep coming. They just keep coming. It never wearies. It never runs out. It never runs out. It just keeps coming keeps coming. There's always more grace. There's always more. Super abounds. For sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Walk in it. Enjoy it. God is able to make you stand. You keep loving God. You keep walking with him, and you get into the rhythms of God's grace. You get into that judgment-free zone, and there's nothing like it. You're not, free of being, you're not afraid of being judged by other people, nor do you have the necessity to be judgmental of other people. That's called the grace zone. Stay in the zone. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Thank you. you were, I'm going to invite you to st um, stand up for a moment. Just stand up for a moment. You're here today, and perhaps you never received the grace of God. When we're talking about grace. We're talking about receiving Jesus, God's son, who God so loved us. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross. When we receive him and we uh, put our faith in him, that's when we receive his gift of eternal life, and that's when we receive the empowerment of the grace of God. We come out from under law, and we come underneath the grace of God that superabounds in our lives. So I want to invite you to come into this grace, come into this uh, free gift of eternal life. If you're here today or perhaps you're watching us online, let's just, uh, and you've never done that, let's, we, we do so by making this confession of what we believe in our heart. We, we confess it with our mouth, and the Bible teaches us that you'll be born again. You've received the greatest gift of all, and it's called the grace of God. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So let's pray. Say, Heavenly Father. I thank you for Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I believe that he died at Calvary's cross, that he shed his blood to cleanse me of all my sin. I receive him today as a grace gift, unmerited favor, undeserving, but yet it's mine because I believe and I receive in Jesus' name, name above all names, amen, amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, praise.